like comedians and cars, then you are listening to the right podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for Adam Carolla's Ultimate Garage. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast as I will have a four-part series. Yes, you heard that right. Four-part series coming soon where I answer the question, what are Jay Leno's cars worth? <laughs> this podcast series is turning out to be a Herculean effort. Hence, it is becoming four separate episodes. And I will cover everything from what cars Jay currently has in his collection to what is missing from his collection, and fun facts such as how many cars he has had from each brand, make, decade, country, and even by fuel type. So I'm digging into the weeds on this one. Now before we hear from Adam Corolla, I want to hear from you. Contact me directly at greg at com and tell me what cars you want me to talk about, what market trends you want me to review, and what guests you want on the podcast. Anything goes. Now, be sure to sign up for my email at thecollectorcarpodcast.com. And I only send it out about once every six weeks. (laughs) One listener recently suggested I review some of the car-centric travels I've been on lately. So stay tuned to the end of this podcast to hear where I've been and what I've found. As a little teaser, let's just say that one of the finds includes an Italian exotic rear-engine V8 rare color combo original family car that is coming for sale soon. And yes, it's in a barn. It's a big barn, but it is a barn nonetheless. So now off to the show. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg with the Collector Car Podcast. Welcome back. I'm really excited to have this next guest who's a true car nut gearhead uh adam carolla adam how you doing today i'm doing well thanks for having me yeah i really appreciate you being on the show we actually met inadvertently at the quail this year and i don't know if you know the story behind it but i was sitting down with two strangers who i thought were father and son (laughs) turned out it was your co-host on carcast matt the moderator and your son and i didn't realize that until i started asking him car questions and then you walked up so it was great to meet you in person uh did you have a good time over pebble week always have a good time uh that that week I, it's the best uh, to me it's the best week week of the year for me yeah that was my first time really diving into it first time going to the quail which was really amazing and i will have to say when we started talking i uh i, I mentioned to you about being on the podcast to share your ultimate garage which is where i asked for you to give 10 cars that would make it into your ultimate garage and the first car we started talking about you threw me for a loop because i cannot figure out what that car was um, and it turns out it's your first car on the list, the ATS. Now tell us about that car because that was one I was not familiar with. No one is familiar with that car. It's the ATS 2500. It was built by, I, I guess, Bizzarini and maybe uh, another guy or two that was sort of transitioning from Ferrari to Lamborghini, and they they built their own car, and. It's a mid-engine, small displacement, you know, 2500 V8, uh, downdraft Weber's. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful car. It kind of, it kind of looks like a, a Ferrari Dino, but but better and and before the Dino. Right, right. Yeah, I did Google it. <laughs> I did find out Haggerty had some information on the car. I think there were approximately eight built and three alloy body cars. And they are truly beautiful, really nice cars. And I do like to work in some of the Haggerty valuation trends here. 
And uh, number one condition, the car is worth about $1.5 million and $1.05 million if it's in number three condition. And I think you've mentioned, at least when we were talking in person, that that's underappreciated you know, as a European exotic car, right? Yeah, well, there's, by the way, Haggerty has no idea what that car's worth. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's eight of them on the planet. Right, There's no right. way. There's no comps. There's, 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 <laughs> there's no comps. Look, eight guys, oh, who knows, maybe two of them have been destroyed, you know. I mean, there may be five of those things on the planet. There's no way you're getting one of those from one of those guys for 1.5 million bucks. Right. Totally agree with you on that one. You know, to your point, they don't have comps, so who knows when the last one sold, but they are they are pretty beautiful cars. One thing, I kind of jumped the gun there. I would like for you to tell us a little about, about your passion for cars because it really plays into your top 10 list because there's a few cars on here that unless they know you and know your taste for cars, might throw them for a curveball. So if you would, just give us kind of the Adam Carolla 101 on how you came to fall in love with cars. Holding this mechanical and, and race cars are most mechanically in my world so you know i don't have a lot of fancy street cars i have mostly race cars i just love the mechanics of them okay and like what was the first car that you fell in love with as a little kid as a very little kid living in um, cherry hill new jersey <laughs> i got a matchbox model of a dino ferrari and i just thought that was the most beautiful shape in the world right right yep and i do recall you also like some of the small pickup trucks right well, I never really liked them. I just I was a carpenter for a long time, and I was broke, and I was basically forced to drive <laughs> Nissan mini pickup trucks just because they were unbreakable, and they shipped gas, and they were items that worked then. Right, right. Okay, yeah, use, using them every day, you do get a fondness for them after a while as long as they don't leave you stranded somewhere. All right, before we break for a note from our sponsors, Adam Carolla is known for collecting a certain kind of car. Now, what are they? Your choices are 1960s big block muscle cars, Paul Newman race cars, Don Yenko, Camaros, Corvairs, Novas, and Chevelles, or JDM cars, Japanese domestic market cars. All right, you'll find out right after the break. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com classics c-l-a-s-s-i-x dot com all right welcome back now this is from car and driver to answer our question what kind of cars 
does Adam collect? Corolla owns 10 of Paul Newman's old mounts. At least that's the number he can remember when we talk. Most are Datsun, Nissan, 240Z, 280ZX, and 300ZX race machines, many built in the 1980s by Bob Sharp Racing, the Connecticut-based Nissan factory team that Newman did most of his racing with. Now, I will say, also in his collection, his most iconic car, he does have Paul Newman's Porsche 935. There's also a cool Porsche 911S that I've mentioned numerous times on this podcast because I found it years ago, about a mile from my dad's house when it was being restored, as well as a 1988 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Now, back to the show. Yeah, if you would, let's go to the second car on your list because it, it does speak to kind of your the cars you, you grew up on. Uh, the 19, I guess you didn't give me a year, but the 1968 to 1973 Datsun 510. So if you would, tell us about that car. And I know you have a particular love for the Paul Newman 510 race car. I've always been a Datsun guy. I've always liked the little uh, L motors, the overhead cam motors, and how that you could wind them up. Uh, I love how dominant the 510s are. I have a, a couple of BRE 510s. So I've raced one of them quite a bit, and they're just great little, great little cars. Again, in in race trim, I I wouldn't want to drive a bone stock one around, even though again they have their appeal. And for whatever the sticker price was 50 years ago, probably good good value. Yeah, which came first, uh, your appreciation for Paul Newman specifically and what he did in racing, or the cars that were raced? I like the cars first. I I started buying Datsuns and Nissans in race trim, and then it just became apparent that Newman raced for Nissan and Datsun. So I started. It, it was it was the cars first. It sounds uh, bizarre now, but not too long ago, people would say to me, "Hey, there's this uh, 300ZX." Uh, turbo GT1 car, you know, it's for sale. Do you want it? I'd go, yeah. And then they go, oh, and, and Paul Newman drove it. <laughs> but they were they were selling the car before they were selling Paul Newman. Right now, do you feel like that maybe has flip flopped since then? Yeah, I, I feel like now you're kind of selling Paul Newman more than the car. Although the cars are rare, uh, you know those two frame, you know, Trans Am cars and stuff like that. I mean, they're, 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 they're very interesting pieces and they're rare pieces, but I still think from this point on, you're probably selling Newman first and the car second. Right. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that, especially after his Rolex went for crazy money a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Your number three car on the list is the Ferrari Lusso. Tell us about that car and why it made it onto your list. Just beautiful looking to me. I just I just love the aesthetic of that car. I love the diamond quilted. You know, now, you know, every every Genesis is all diamonded up inside now, but uh, <laughs> right. this is nineteen sixty three, you know. So it just it, you know, the big gauge the the big gauge cluster in front, like the big Speedo and the tack and the kind of crinkle finish on the dash and the nardy wheel and the diamond stitching, just way ahead of its time aesthetically. Right, right. Yeah, beautiful big V12. They are gorgeous, wonderful cars. 
Let's see. The next one is the Lamborghini Mura, and you didn't say if it was the quote-unquote base or S or SV. So uh, obviously that's like the first supercar, but you know, tell us why that made the list and which version. Well, I'll take the SV like everyone else. And uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a transverse B12, you know. I mean, how much more exotic can you get than a transverse mid-engine B12, you know. And you can't, you just can't beat the look of the car. It's such a good-looking car. Yeah, yeah, they are gorgeous cars. I know you're, you've been a guest on Jay Leno's show. Have you driven either one of his Muras? I had three of them. Oh, you had three of them. Okay. Yeah, not only one SV. Now, do you still have some one or two of those in your garage? No, nah, I wish I did. I had to sell them to buy a 935. So how about the next Lamborghini on your list? I believe it's the first Lamborghini really ever made, the 1965 Lamborghini 350 GT. Uh, tell us about that car. Uh, I had one of those for years. Um, it's a it's a really special car. You know, it's mid-60s car. It's got aluminum body. It's got four-wheel disc. It's got independent rear. It's got four cams, six carbs, aluminum heads. I mean, think about how advanced that was for the mid-60s. Is there a big difference between the 350 and the 400? I'm assuming some of that's displacement going to a 4-liter versus a 3.5. Is that right? Yeah, and there is a there is a back seat, a small back seat in the 400. The 400 is a 2-plus-2, two two, technically. They made a couple of carryovers, which were 350s with 4-liters in them, which are very rare. Okay. Now, do you still have one of those in your collection? Yeah, I do have a I have a two plus two. I sold the three fifty. I've had three uh, two plus twos, and I have one left. And I sold the three fifty uh, as well. But I, I do still have a, a four hundred. What do you like more about the three fifty? Is it just the fact that it's not a two plus two? It's a little rarer first year. Yeah, they made maybe a hundred and twenty versus two forty. They made about I think they made about half the number. Got the aluminum body a little bit sleeker because it's not a two plus two um but they're really the same car essentially well the next one on your list is a big car a porsche 917 now these can go anywhere they you know these again not a lot of comps on these but you know typically they trade in the 14 to 20 million dollar price range and obviously the open top can-am cars go for a little bit less but which one of these catches your eye the most is it one of the gulf oil cars is it one of the can-am cars which one it would be on your list can't go wrong with the Gulf livery Le Mans variety, but that Can-Am car is pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, the 30, 1730, I think is what it does. I mean, uh, what is the, uh, yeah, let's go with the Can-Am and the Sunoco blue. Oh, wow. I've actually been researching those lately, and there's only six of them. Three of them are in the Porsche Museum, and Three are privately held, and only two of them are still in the Sunoco livery, so that is a outstanding choice. All right, the next one is your BMW M1 Pro Car. Now, no comps on this thing, but that thing's pretty wicked and wild. Why does that make your list? I just like them. I, I don't like the BMW M1s that much in, in street trim, but in race trim, I, I really like them. I've had a few of those guys run in my run group at Laguna Seca multiple times, and they're just, they're just great. You know, they're mid-engine, they're straight six, 
I think they're 3.5, and they just wind those things up, you know. They're naturally aspirated. And they're just, they're, you know, the, the livery's great on them. The whole thing's great. They're just beautiful. And I did pull the streetcar comps in the number one condition. Those are up to 600, 700 grand. So, yeah, the race ones definitely will be up on that million-dollar range. I've, I've often said I think the most expensive car that exists is probably the M1 pro car that is the Andy Warhol art car, if I had to guess, just because you got Warhol and you got an M1 pro car all in the same thing. So, yeah, truly beautiful cars. I don't I've, – I've, re, I've researched it a little. I, I, I don't know. Did Andy do an M1 or did he do a 3.5 CSR? He did a, a 79 – yeah, he did a 79 M1. And it was the only, oh, did. yeah, it was the only BMW art car that was hand painted. All the others kind of had, you know, they did it on a little diecast model first, and then they did it. So he just went nuts on it, <laughs> and it actually raced, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I almost bought uh, an M1 Pro car art car by um, I'm think of the other uh, artist. Um, it'll it'll come to me. But there's there's another artist who did one who did a Pro car too. Uh, Frank Stella's his name. Oh my gosh! Why didn't you pull the trigger? It was it was many years ago, and um, it was at Bonhams, I think, and it was in the it was in the catalog for uh, maybe four hundred grand, maybe four to five or, <laughs> or something like that. Now you know, you got to keep in mind this is. This is 11, 12 years ago. It wasn't a you know ton of market. It, it, the, the catalog could have had it for three to four hundred bucks or something like that. And so I called up Bonham and I like spoke to a guy and I was like, "How about that car?" And he, the guy was like, "I don't even think it's going to get to the low catalog estimate." And I was like, "It's a it's an art car." And he's like, "Yeah." And I went and looked at it and. It it had uh, it had dust on it. It was kind of parked up the hill in the dirt, you know, at Bonhams down by the Quail. Blah blah blah. I had to race. I was due to go to the track and race, so I left a friend of mine behind. I said to bid on it, but I'll be on the phone. And this car that they said would go for, you know, three hundred, it just sailed right past five hundred. And I think it only sold for like seven, 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 or maybe seven fifty. I can't remember, but it went for a seven. That car's worth a fortune now, and I wish I got it. But it's because the <laughs> guy told me, you know, yeah, maybe two fifty, you know. And so psychologically, when someone goes, yeah, maybe two fifty, and it sales past five, you're like, I'm out. And that's basically what happened. Now I don't know if I would have hung in and bought it anyway, but. He, he basically said, you're going to get this car cheap, and he was wrong. Yeah, with uh, with the uh, the premium, it sold for eight fifty four. <laughs> so, yeah, around seven fifty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah, probably, yeah, but, yeah, seven eighty five or something like that. But I, I don't know what the catalog said. You can, you might be able to see, but it, it was, it was four to five or something, so. I don't know why they had an M1 Pro Car art car at that price. I estimate four hundred grand. It seemed seemed weird to me. Obviously, seemed weird to somebody else too. 
Wow, that would have been quite the car for your collection for sure. Yeah. That that is that is the one that got away. There's no there's no doubt about it. Well, the next one on your list, you could probably find one. It's the 1970 to 1973 Datsun 240Z, the most one of the most iconic Japanese cars out there. Why is this one on your list, other than the reasons I just said? <laughs> um, just a you know high, uh, just affordable sports car that works, bulletproof, dominant in race trim. You know, independent rear, uh, overhead cam straight six it pulled hard you know just a looked good you know and, and and for the price you know perfect no those are great cars and again it's the the formula of i think those probably did they have those have a five speed in it no the they had a four speed initially uh guys guys will swap them out and put five speeds in them quite easily but they they started off with a with a four speed and at some point, probably the 280ZX, at some point they went to a five-speed. Okay. Yeah, and I have been looking at some of the market trends on these, and they really started to pop in 2015 when, obviously, we had the big collector car bubble burst. But these have just been going strong since then, and in the last 10 months, they have really gone strong. So number one conditions around 100 grand nowadays for a really nice, clean Datsun 240Z. Is it really? Is it a hundred, hundred grand for number one, huh? Yeah, ninety. Well, ninety-five. Yeah, right up there. All right, your next one is the Datsun Roadster two thousand. And when I researched this, I was surprised that you know these things are really doing well as well. Tell us about the Datsun. And this is what our third Datsun. So tell us about the two thousand Roadster. Uh, it's not an L engine. It's a U engine. It's got a little bigger ports on it. It's a two liter, obviously. Uh, that. Now, that car came with a five-speed, even though it came before the Z, right? Those cars haul ass, and I have the first two BRE cars ever built, and those are both 2,000 Roadsters, and I've raced one a few times and uh, just enjoyed the hell out of it. The last one, which I did have to research a little bit, then I found out, wow, this thing is just absolutely gorgeous, is the 1969 to 1970 Ferrari 512 race car, which, if I understand it correctly, it was pretty much in response to the Porsche 917. But tell us about this beautiful car. You know, people listening can just Google it, and, you know, <laughs> uh, what more <laughs> needs to be said? It's just, you know, naturally aspirated. Pretty sure it was a flat 12 rear, kind of rear mid on it. Just those deep dish gold chromadora rims. I mean, just kind of the height of 60s, 70s race car design. Just, to me, it's gorgeous. Yeah, they're very nice. And then these were, the last time one of these sold publicly, it was around $3.3 million, and that's when the uh, 917s were worth about 4.5. So since the 917s have tripled, I would imagine these would have probably fallen pretty close, you know, to that because there's so few of them. Yeah, just beautiful cars. Now, I did, I did add up, you know, ballpark what would it cost to put all these cars in your garage it's about 35 million dollars <laughs> so a good chunk <laughs> of change <laughs> well let's not forget that ats at 1.5 good luck i think that i think those cars are five million bucks all day long right right now i am curious everything fell between 1962 and 1981 so pretty tight 20 years or so of 
uh, cars here. Nothing of the more recent, like the F1 or any of those F40s, any of the modern supercars, you know, pique your interest, or even the old stuff, like the old Duesenbergs. Not for your garage? I don't like the old stuff, and the new stuff is, is fine, but, you know, anybody started a dot-com company can buy one, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like, I mean, all that, you know, La Ferrari, you know, Ferrari FXX, maybe, you know. There's, there's plenty of newer, great stuff, but, you know, that's, you don't need me to tell you about that. Right, right, yeah, okay. Well, I do really appreciate you being on the podcast. And one thing I do at the end of these is I do play a little game I call Keep Cash and Crush. So I give you, I've been told it's a great game, I've been told it's a horrible game. So I give you three cars. You have to pick one to keep forever, one to cash in, and then one to send to the crusher. And I wanted to pick three cars that were production cars, but they had some type of race history in their development. So I'm going to give you three cars from three different decades. Actually, two different decades. All right, the first one I'm going to give you is a very specific car. It's Ken Miles' 1965 Shelby GT350R that recently hammered for about $4 million. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next one I'll give you is a 1962 Gullwing with an alloy block, so close to the end of production. It's got the lighter weight block in it, and uh, that one, those were made after the 1952 car that won the Carrera Pan American and the uh, 24 Hour Le Mans. And then the third one is more of a modern car. I'm curious to see what you do with it. It's 1984 Ferrari 288 GTO. Uh, that was originally designed for Group B racing. So those are your three cars, Ken Miles, Shelby, the 62 Gullwing, and the 84 GTO. Which one will you keep forever? Which one will you cash in? And then which one are you going to send to the crusher? Um, I cash in the GTO because I think I can get more than the, than the Mercedes for it, even though it's got those stupid extended <laughs> rear view mirrors. Those, those outside mirrors look like hell on those cars. The outside mirrors look like crap on those cars, and they have like a rain tire they come with. The tires and the outside mirrors look like crap if you look on those cars. <laughs> Other than that, beautiful car. I don't know what those things are. I don't know if things are 3.5 now or yep, something. Right about I, there. Yep, yeah. Right about 3.5. Sell that. Uh, crush the gull wing just because there's a thousand of them. I know not the aluminum block, but what are you going to do? There's a lot of them. Uh, there's five at every auction, so we'll crush the gold wing. We'll sell the we'll sell the uh, 288 GTO, and we'll keep the Ken Miles car. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I I would not have picked the Ken Miles, but that's pretty cool that you're picking that one. Uh, do you think that Ken Miles car is going to hold its value? Yeah. Every uh, as far as I can tell, the race cars just keep going up. They don't. They don't. They don't wander around like a like a Daytona or, you know, a Toyota 2000 or something like that, and some Ferrari 330s. <laughs> they, they, they don't wander that much. They just keep going up. Sure, yeah. Okay. Well, my last question for you is, what car are you driving right now? Anything exciting? Nah, Lincoln. Lincoln SUV. <laughs> okay. I got to go to fair. Home Depot, you know. Like, I need, a, I need a car I can go to Home Depot in. <laughs> well, what's the best way for our listeners to uh, listen to your podcast and the other stuff you're doing? Uh, just go to adamcarolla.com. It's all there. All right. 
Thanks, man, so much for your time today. All right, that was a great interview with Adam. We had a little bit of technical issues there, but I think we made it through. So thanks to Adam for being on the show. And now it's time for me to talk about where I have been and what I have seen lately. Now, to see some of the pictures from these adventures, check out my Instagram page at The Collector Car Podcast. Uh, let's see, last week I was up in Newport, Rhode Island, where I visited one of my previous guests, Gunther Berman, from the Newport Car Museum. If you've never been there, it is absolutely insane and gorgeous. I mean, there's everything from a room full of Shelbys and Mustangs, including, and it's rare that you'll ever see this, a 1965 Shelby GT350 R model and a 2015 Shelby GT350 R model, as well as, I believe it's the Ford GT40 from the Fast and the Furious movie, and as well as real Boss 429s, Boss 302s, and all sorts of amazing things. And that's just one of the rooms. There's a room on Corvettes. There's a room with Finn cars from the 50s. There's a room with Porsches. There's a room with European supercars, including a Jaguar XJ220 to a McLaren SLR to a Porsche 918. That's not even in the Porsche room because it's in this other special room. Truly amazing. All right, let me move on. From there, I actually was at an F1 party uh, not that long ago, and this patient had some really cool stuff, like a Lexus LFA, a 1983 Porsche 911 SC convertible, apparently the only year they made that with 18,000 miles, a Datsun 240Z with 24,000 miles, a Panos, which I love those. And then I went up to Vermont, and I ran across an old four-door Mercedes underneath a tree with the fall color, and next to it would be a Dodge Power Wagon, just sitting outside under a tree. I ran across a Subaru Scat by a shipping container, uh, which is kind of interesting and ironic. Another Subaru I found was a 22B STI, very rare uh, from the factory race car. And a four-door Toyota Helix 24D export pickup truck. You absolutely never see those. While I was in Vermont, I ran across a couple Bugattis, Bugatti steering wheel, and... I'll post them up here shortly. Some real Bugatti furniture from the 30s. And the last thing I've come across are a couple of Fuelies, a couple Corvettes, one from 1957 and one from 19, I think it's 61. Now, the one car I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that was an Italian exotic rear-engined V8, one thing I didn't mention was manual transmission. Now, there's a lot of cars this could be, and I will tell you the car that it is is a Maserati Ghibli. And it is the 4.9 liter engine, not the 4.7. So it is the more desired engine. And a really cool, almost like a burnt auburn orange color with white interior, four speed. Absolutely stunning in its original ownership family from new. Never been in public market. If you're interested in this car, shoot me a note at gstanley at rmsothebees.com. Again, G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y at R-M-S-O-T-H-E-B-Y-S dot com. And as always, be sure to keep an eye out on RM Sotheby's website for these cars showing up at one of our online auctions or in person at Amelia, Pebble, or Scottsdale. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.